The following message entitled, The Key to Spiritual Success, Part 3 of the series, Courageous Faith, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 2nd of August, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Thank you for coming. My name's Mark. For those of you who are new, welcome. I'm one of the pastors here. Saving Grace Church, and we are in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Actually, let's read verses 1 through 9 together. This morning's message is called, The Key to Spiritual Success. The Key to Spiritual Success. And this is not a health and wealth message. This is talking about spiritual health, spiritual wealth, spiritual success. Not that God doesn't bless people in many ways. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. And this is where we're going to focus this morning. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. And we thank You that the Old Testament gives us a picture of our life in Jesus now. And things that You did in the Old Testament are pictures of what Jesus has accomplished for us. 
And Lord, we just ask You to please open the eyes of our hearts to see wonderful things in Your Word. We pray, Lord, that Your Word would speak to us, it would encourage us, it would strengthen us, it would give us direction and wisdom and guidance. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to obey Your Word and follow Your Word as disciples. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. When Israel came out of Egypt, it's interesting, God never told them to fight the Egyptians. God never said, do battle with the Egyptians and conquer the Egyptians. No, God did all the fighting. God defeated Egypt. God exerted His awesome power and worked miracles. He finally broke Egypt's back. He sent plague after plague after plague. And eventually, the Egyptians just gave Israel all kinds of wealth and gold and said, please leave. Get out of here. And they didn't have to conquer Egypt. God conquered Egypt. God split the Red Sea. And then when Egypt came after them, after they had walked through the Red Sea, as on dry land, God pulled it back together, drowned the Egyptians. God did it all by His power. But now, God tells Joshua and Israel, you're going to have to fight now, and you're going to have to conquer and battle these many enemies and giants in this land that I'm giving you. It's a land full of giants and powerful enemies. And so God says, be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. I've promised you the land. But you're going to have to fight. And actually, God would be fighting for them and with them. But it's different than what it was when they came out of Egypt. And this is a picture of our Christian lives. Those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't believed in Jesus as King of kings, Lord of lords, as Savior, I pray that you would believe in Him because He wants to give us life and life in abundance. And what we're seeing is a picture of our Christian lives. When Jesus saved us, He did all the work. We don't have to try to earn our salvation. We don't have to try to get to heaven by doing good deeds. We don't try to pay for our sins by doing more good things than bad things. Jesus did all the work to pay for our sins. Jesus did all the work to conquer the enemy. Jesus did all the work to bring us out of Egypt, out of our slavery to sin and Satan. And He did it all. We don't, God never told us that we had to save ourselves. But, Joshua is a picture of our Christian life after Jesus saves us. And we now have enemies and giants that we need to conquer. And we have work to do. And Jesus said, go, in Matthew 28, He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. He said, make disciples. A disciple is someone who counts the cost. It's, I'm willing to give up everything. I'm willing to die to myself. I'm going to follow Jesus to learn from Him, to become like my teacher. 
And I, I'm going to do all the work that's necessary with His help. And I'm going to conquer enemies. And we must run the race. The New Testament describes the Christian life as a race. The Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, I've run the race. I have fought the good fight. And he's not talking about saving himself or earning his salvation. He's talking about living his life as a disciple after Jesus saved him. So we have work to do. We have enemies to conquer. We have giants in the land. We'll talk about. And the key to our spiritual success is soaking and doing. You may say, soaking? What are you talking about? Soaking and doing. We'll look at this in a minute. Soaking. In other words, soaking in God's Word. Meditating on God's Word. Letting God's Word permeate our lives. And doing that so that we would obey it. Meditating on God's Word, soaking in it in order to obey it. And as we obey God's Word, He gives us success. And we know from the promise that we saw last week that we have two two encouragements to have courage as we fight these enemies. Last week we saw that God says, I've given you My promise it's going to happen you will be victorious, and I've also, I'm also going to be with you. So God's promise and God's presence are with us. We have God's promise that He is going to complete His work in us, and we have His presence with us as we fight this fight, as we meditate on God's Word, as we soak in God's Word for the purpose of obeying it. And so first I want to talk about this command to meditate on God's Word. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's interesting. God doesn't say, Joshua, be sure you've got plenty of weapons when you go in there. Be sure your sword is sharpened. Be sure you've got spears. Be sure you've got food. No, God said, here's what you do, Joshua, to be successful in conquering this land is meditate on My Word day and night and be careful to do according to all that is written in it. The NIV says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. God didn't say, Joshua, I gave you the book of the law. I gave my laws to Moses, the Ten Commandments. I gave them the many commandments besides those ten. They're written down. Moses, keep that book with you at all times. Carry it around. Make sure it's in your backpack. Make sure it's on your nightstand next to your bed. No, he says, Joshua... This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, Joshua, keep speaking it. Keep rehearsing it. Keep saying it. Keep thinking about it. Keep musing on it. He says you shall meditate on it day and night. Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. 
To meditate, the Hebrew word there means soliloquize or, or, or speak it to yourself over and over. Meditate, muse, ponder it, utter it, soak in it. You know, when we really want to get a rich flavor in steak, not that I'm a cook or anything, but I've, I've seen this on the Food Network. You, you put the steak and you let it soak in some kind of sauce. And it absorbs the sauce. And it adds, and it becomes a part of the meat. It becomes part of the flavor. Well, that's, that's what we do. We, we let this Word become part of our lives by regularly meditating on it. Regularly soaking in it. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, the words, the advice, the mindset, the thoughts. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Just about what God said to Joshua. You shall meditate on it day and night, all the time. Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. So we see meditating is associated with remembering God's mighty deeds. Thinking about it. Remembering. That's why God said to Israel, when you get into this promised land that I give you, this this rich land with houses you didn't build and, and crops you didn't plant, don't forget all that I did for you in Egypt. Remember. And so meditating is associated with remembering God's deeds and wonders. Pondering. Dwelling on. Thinking about. Rolling it over in your mind. Recalling it. Remembering it. Have you ever seen a picture or a video or a live cow chewing on its cud? It's time for a little science lesson. Cows' stomachs have four distinct compartments. Some people have said cows have four stomachs, but I studied this. And they only have one stomach, but it has four separate compartments. And when a cow first takes a bite of grass, it's chewed very little before it is swallowed. And it's interesting to watch a cow chew because they have a sideways motion like this. Their mouth is designed like that. And they chew it a little bit. And they swallow it. And it goes into the part of its stomach called the rumen. Which helps break down the complex plant products. And so cows, listen to this. You're getting an English lesson. 
You're getting everything here. Science, English. Cows are called ruminants. Ruminants. Because the largest pouch of the stomach is called the rumen. Have you ever heard of the word ruminate? I'm ruminating on something. It means I'm chewing it up. I'm thinking it over. I'm dwelling on it. Well, cows ruminate on the grass. It goes down into, first it goes down into the rumen. And then it has this material to break it down. The rumen in a cow is as large as a 55 gallon trash can which allows cows to consume large amounts of grass. After filling up on grass, cows find a place to lie down to more thoroughly chew their food. And cows have this ability to voluntarily unswallow or burp up their food into their mouth again. And that's the cud. And then they chew on that and they ruminate on it. They ruminate on their cud. Oh, I don't know how long they do it for. And then I guess they keep swallowing it and bring it up again. And that's where the word ruminate comes from. And that's, in a sense, that's what we do when we meditate on God's Word. We chew on it. We bring it up again. We think about it. We say, what, what does this show me about Jesus? What does this passage tell me about God and God's character? What does this passage reveal to me about the ways of the Lord or His kindness or His goodness? What does this passage show me that about my, the way I should respond to God? How should I act in my life? And we just ruminate on it and chew on it and spend time in it. A number of weeks ago, Joe and Bob and I were ruminating on Jesus' words where in Luke 6.30 He says, Give to everyone who begs from you. Give to everyone who begs from you. We were discussing it. Now, does that mean that we need to give to someone if we know they're a heroin addict? Does that mean we need to give? It's, Jesus said, give to everyone who asks you. Does He say we have to give them what they ask? Do we have to give them money? Or can we just say, I'll go buy you a sandwich? But we should give something if we can. And we were just discussing it for 30 minutes or so ruminating on it, chewing on it, trying to say what would God have us do as a church with money for the poor and, and deacons and, for the poor and mercy ministry. And so we're ruminating and meditating on God's Word. This is one of the reasons that fellowship groups are so important. Because on a Sunday morning we hear God's Word, we take it in, but we don't really have a lot of time to think about it. In fact, sometimes on Thursdays, I've had to say to myself, now what did I preach on last Sunday? <laughs> you know, so fellowship groups are great because you can come, we can talk about it, we can talk about what, it, what the passage meant to us, we can talk about how we might apply it in our lives. So I really just want to say, add my encouragement to Joe's, to sign up for a fellowship group. It really, they really uh, are, bless our lives and God uses them. But it's to help us meditate on God's Word. We, we need to spend time in God's Word. Jo God said to Joshua, you shall meditate on it day and night. In other words, all the time. All day long. God didn't say, Joshua, be sure you think about My Word at least once a week. Or every once in a while, pull it out and think of it. 
Think about the Old Testament command that God gave to parents. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. God says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. It's talking about God's Word all the time. When you're driving in your car. Some of you have heard the story of how we were. I was once asked to speak in, a, in another place and we were on our way and we hit uh, construction and we had to stop and we're waiting and I'm looking at my watch and I, I said to my kids, well kids, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about God's Word all the time, driving, driving in the car, whatever. I said, kids, it's, at times like this, it's just really good to know that God is sovereign. God's in control of all things. God saw this. God knew this was going to happen. God is sovereign. And I'm thinking, man, what a good parent I am. I'm talking about God's Word all the time. And about two minutes later, I look at my watch again. I say, oh, this is not good. And Christy looks at me and she says, what happened to the sovereignty of God? (laughs) Well, I was trying. I just forgot for a minute. We're all the time. Meditate. On God's Word. Don't neglect it. We have so many ways to take in God's Word. We have phone apps with God's Word. There are CDs. There are Kindle versions. There is no excuse. We can listen to it if you can't read it. You can listen to God's Word while you're driving. I read about a man named John Underhill and he said, I was painting the home of an 89-year-old lady in Spokane. She had a large family Bible prominently displayed on the coffee table and remarked that it was 116 years old and a priceless heirloom. I commented on how remarkable that was and added, you know, it doesn't matter how old the Bible might be. What's on the inside is what matters. And she immediately replied, Oh, I know, that sure is the truth. While we have family records and births and marriages and deaths that go so far back, all recorded in that Bible, we could never replace them. So see, it's it's not enough to have God's Word. We need to meditate on it. We need to ruminate. We need to soak. We need to be saturated with God's Word. We need to marinate in it. That's the word I was looking for, marinate. But why do we do this? Why do we do this? Oh, and by the way, I just want to, I want to tell you, we have in our bookstore a series of CDs called Hide the Word that have Scriptures word for word set to music on them. And I would just want to say, if anybody would like to have one, you can have one free today. If you just go into the bookstore and just say, can I please have one of those Scripture memory CDs? You can take one. You can take it home and try it out and play it. See if it helps you. It's for the purpose of memorizing Scripture. So, free gift today at Saving Grace Church. Now, we don't memorize Scripture just so that we can be just spouting off Scripture to people and impressing people. We do it for the purpose of obeying it. God says, be careful to do according to all 
the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. We meditate on God's Word so that we might obey it. So that we might put it into practice. In James, James says, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. God commands us to obey His Word. Now, we've got to just stay clear on this. See, when God gave Joshua His law, He says, I've given you this law. Obey it. It was not in order to be saved. They had already been saved. They had already been delivered from Egypt. He gave him His law that he might have success in the Christian life. Success in conquering the land. When we have God's Word, there are tons of commands in God's Word. We don't try to obey those commands thinking that if I obey all God's commands, I might be saved. No! Once again, we're saved by the blood of Jesus, by the work of Jesus on the cross, by His work of perfect obedience in His life, by His resurrection. We're saved by believing in Him. He did all the work. Now He gives us His law and there are all kinds of commands. Now we don't have to keep the commands to sacrifice animals because Jesus' perfect obedience fulfilled all the sacrificial commands in the Old Testament. But there are plenty of commands that echo other commands in the Old Testament and we are to do them. Like commands like it says in Ephesians, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Commands like flee immorality. Do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. There are tons of commands. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Welcome one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Give financially to the kingdom of God. Give to the poor. There are all kinds of commands that we are to do. Not in order to be saved. Not because they will save us. But because we are saved. And these commands are what disciples do. And they will give us success and joy in Jesus in our lives. And they'll honor and bring glory to God. And so as I said earlier, Jesus said in Matthew 28:19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, we as disciples should seek to meditate on God's Word for the purpose of obeying it. And trying to obey all of God's Word. See, he said to Joshua, all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. He said, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. He says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. You know, it won't do us any good to obey part of God's Word. It's partial obedience is disobedient. We 
need to try to do all God's Word. Now, we can't do this in our own strength, but Jesus will help us. Jesus will help us. It takes a lifetime. It, it, takes, it takes repenting when we failed. And, and Jesus said, if you, if you sin, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we fail, we confess, we get back up again, we start trying again. I want to obey all God's Word, not partial what good is it what good is if if we obey god's command to worship and then we steal from work what good is it if we obey god's command to give our money and then we tell lies you know we can't do that in the world if i if i drive 65 miles an hour down philadelphia street and officer john sheriff pulls me over I can't say, hey, I didn't murder anybody. You know, we can't just obey some of the laws. John wouldn't say, oh, you didn't murder anybody? Oh, okay. It's okay that you're going 65 miles an hour down Philadelphia. No. We have to obey all the laws of the land and we should obey all of God's laws. This is a challenge. This is a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we don't fail. I'm not saying that, that, that it's not a fight. It is a fight. We, we should really be trying to do this. And, and not, not just planning to do it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And we're supposed to obey God's Word right away. Don't say, well, you know what? I'm just a young person. You know, I'll, I'll start obeying God's Word when I get older. I want to have a little fun right now. I'm planning to obey. I'm planning to start obeying Jesus when I get older. But right now, I've got to have some fun. No, that's not obeying God. That's disobedience. If I drove 65 miles an hour down Philadelphia Street and Officer Sheriff pulled me over, I'd say, you know what, Officer? I was planning to go 25 real soon. You know, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to start going 25. No. Planned, planned obedience is not obedience. We need to obey God's Word now. And it's a, it's a lifelong pursuit. You know, when Jesus first saved me, I, I quit swearing. I couldn't have said, I couldn't have said, well, Lord, I quit swearing. Now it's okay for me to lust, right? No, I had, I didn't, I had no idea all that I would need to obey throughout my lifetime. Our circumstances change as our life changes as we get older. You know, we we encounter new trials and new challenges and new new things all the time in which we need to obey. I had no idea what God would call me to. But my mindset in the beginning was, okay, I heard somebody say this, if God says to do something, if God gives us a command, we're to, if God says jump, we're to say how high. And, and somehow God helped me to make, that was my mindset. If, if God said jump, I was going to say how high. If God said do this, I would, I would attempt to do it with His grace and His help. And it's only by God's grace. 
But this is, it's so important. Why is it so important that we obey God's Word? Because obedience honors God. Disobedience dishonors God. That's why Romans 12.1 that I mentioned earlier this morning says, in light of God's mercies, present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. In other words, present your life, present your bodies, present your physical life that you live now as a sacrifice to honor God. Obedience honors God. See, Jesus said about the religious leaders of His day in Matthew 15.8, He says, this people honors Me with their lips but their heart is far from Me. Okay, listen to this. Young people. Young men, young women. Young ladies, young men. Children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that, may, that you may live long in the land. See this? Obedience honors your parents. Our obedience honors God. He says, obey your parents. Honor your parents. And then he says, so that, you may, so that you, it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And that's where we're coming. God said to Joshua, He says, if you obey this Word, you'll have success. So it, it's tied together. Honor your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. Obedience equals honoring. Disobedience dishonors God. I read about a mother who always got a hassle from her son. Whenever she said no, I don't think, I'm, I'm sure none of you are ever like that. None of you kids in here, none of you teenagers, never. You know, never gave your parents a hassle when they said no. Well, this mother, after an especially trying day, finally flung up her hands and shouted, All right, Billy, do whatever you want. Now let me see you disobey that. Uh, I'm sure my mom felt like that at times. Oh, we need God's help. We need God's help. Because our goal is to obey all God's commands. Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, the Bible says He breaks the power of sin to dominate our lives. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. It says it in Romans 6. Sin shall have, no longer have dominion over you. We are no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. That is our position in God. And we need to walk that out. We need to fight that fight. We need to obey Jesus. If you're a slave to something this morning, we would want to do all we could to pray for you and help you and see you break out of that because Jesus doesn't want you to be a slave to any sin. He wants you to obey Him. And there's great joy and gladness in obeying Jesus. And if you have failed numerous times, get back up again. Proverbs 24.16 says, The righteous falls seven times and rises again. And in the Bible, the word seven just means that's the unlimited number, full time. The righteous falls. A righteous man will fall over and over, but he gets back up again. We get back up again and say, Lord, forgive my sins. Cleanse me. Help me to obey You. We get back up again. Don't give up. 
And the result of soaking and obeying, the result of soaking and doing is spiritual success. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See the, the, the train here? Meditate, do, have good success. Prosper in Jesus. God wants every one of us to prosper in Jesus. If we meditate on God's Word and obey it, we will conquer sin. We will be fruitful. We will become increasingly like Jesus Christ. We will increase in joy and gladness. We will bring glory to God. Spiritual success is is getting victory over sin. Spiritual success is finding contentment in Jesus no matter what our circumstances. Spiritual success is growing in self-sacrificing love and good deeds. Becoming more like Jesus. Spiritual success is living a life where our light shines before men in such a way that they give glory to our Father in Heaven. Spiritual success is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of that is spiritual success. It's not having necessarily a a fancy house or fancy car or anything like that. It's, It's fruitfulness. It's joy in Jesus. And that's what He wants from us. That comes as we meditate on God's Word, as we obey God's Word, then we experience the fruit of spiritual success. what God has for us. One more illustration and I'm finished. Some of you may remember the quarterback Roger Staubach. Some of us older guys. I see Gary nodding his head. You know him, Skip? You know him personally? (laughs) He was quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in the 70s. He led them into the Super Bowl four times and won two times. And I didn't know this because I'm not a huge uh, football follower, but he didn't call his own signals at all. Coach Landry sent in every play. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play and he better be right. And Staubach admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own signals was a source of trial for him. Even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, pride said that he should be able to run his own team. And listen to what he said. Listen to what Roger Staubach said later. I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony fulfillment, and victory. What a a great saying. Once I faced up to the issue of obedience, once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. 
See, Jesus doesn't give us His words because He wants our lives to be hard and tedious and have all these things we have to do. Jesus gives us His Word and tells us to obey it so that we will experience harmony and fulfillment and victory. That's why we obey God's Word. That's why we meditate on God's Word. That's why we seek to do every bit of it. We might feel like Roger Staubach at times. Like, oh, I just want to do my own thing. Why do I have to obey God? Because God wants us to have harmony and fulfillment and victory. We've got it all here. Jesus said in John 8, 31-32, He said to the Jews who had believed in Him, He says, if you abide in My Word, if you continue in My Word, if you continue to do My Word, if you continue to take My Word in, if you continue to apply it to your lives, if you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, freedom isn't getting to do anything we want. Freedom is obeying Jesus' Word. If we neglect God's Word, we won't be successful in our lives as Christians. We won't be able to resist the temptations of Satan. We won't be able to counteract his lies. We won't be able to deflect His fiery darts with the shield of faith. We will lack the faith to get through tough times. We'll get tripped up by our own selfish desires. But if we obey God's Word, if we, don't, if we, if we regularly take it in, we will have success. God is for us. He is for our success. So, God says, meditate on My Word day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is in it and then you will have success. Very simple. Christian life is very simple. Let's stand and let's pray. I'd like to have Joe can come up, lead us in this next part.